0: So what do Kanye West, Japan, <laughs> Twitter, and For the One, what do they, all of them have in common? Well, let me tell you, Kanye West, a performer, songwriter, he makes a tweet this past week and a lady in Japan picks up on it and for some reason, it just gives her an open forum to just blast everything about God. She just really does not like God at all. So, something Kanye West wrote on Twitter, calls this lady in Japan, and she just started, I mean, just vomiting verbally. I mean, just tweeting, just, just all upset. Well, one of the members of our church, Ruth, God bless you, one of our uh, students, she was watching this Twitter feed, and, and she felt the Holy Spirit impress her to say, That lady in Japan is your one today. <laughs> And she was like, Lord, are you, are you really? I'm so, and he said, yes. So she begins to engage in a dialogue from Texas <laughs> with a lady in Japan about God. Come to find out the lady in Japan had been hurt by the church. Now we've heard that a lot, right? The people in church, they, they've been hurt. Somebody said something, did something. And so that, you know, a lot of times hurt people do hurt people. Have you noticed that? And so she's, dialoguing with Ruth and Ruth ends up she shares all this with me in a note this week and she ends up sharing the entire gospel of Jesus Christ the grace gospel with this lady in Japan who was offended by something that Conway West wrote on Twitter all I got to say is praise the Lord (laughs) and God is God is amazing those kind of things happen Today we're going to look at the longest conversation Jesus ever had with anybody in the Bible. It's a conversation between a lady, and we don't know her name, we just know her as the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. But it is the longest dialogue that you will read in the Bible between Jesus Christ and another human being. There are 50 of these kind of conversations sprinkled throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this one that we're looking at today, it's just one of my favorite. It is a very riveting dialogue between this lady who is hurting, and because of some of her hurt, she begins to want to pick a fight or to argue theology with Jesus. And he answers her questions, but he does so much more than that. He just transitions right to the very reason why he left heaven, and that is to offer her what he calls living water. Listen, I'm so glad you're here today. God bless you. Thank you for being here at Great Hills Baptist Church, somebody invited you, somebody invested in you, and we just want you to know we're, we're delighted, we're thrilled. Many of you are first-time guests in our church, and we take that very seriously. We want you to feel at home. We had a whole room full of first-time new members who are in the process of becoming new members here at our church. And so we're just thrilled that you're here. Some of you are watching us uh, online. Sometimes we have two to 300 people who will tune us in on Facebook uh, live. And so God bless y'all out there. We're thrilled that y'all are watching us online. What we're doing at Great Hills Baptist Church, as Pastor Terry mentioned a moment ago, is we're looking at this series of messages called For the One. For the One. And what we're looking at is Luke 15, 4, Jesus has this statement where he says, how many of you who have a hundred sheep, if you have one of those sheep that goes, well, they go wayward and they, and they leave the, the fold, will you not leave the 99 and go and pursue the one until you found him or her and bring that little sheep back into the fold and everybody rejoices? And that's what we're looking at really throughout all 2018. We're going to look at these dialogues, these stories, these riveting narratives of Jesus Christ with these individuals. And this one, oh, it's a beautiful one. Remember last week in verses 1 through 15, the Bible says that Jesus, he made a point to go through Samaria. Now, most people, when they left Judea in the south to go to Galilee in the north, they took a very circuitous route and they just had to bypass Samaria because they didn't want to have anything to do with the people who differed in them Racially, economically, spiritually, socially, religiously, you name it. They had vast differences, but Jesus said, forget that. There's a lady that I need to go talk to, and so the Lord makes his way, and he shares with this woman. She reminds me of Hagar in Genesis 16, also another lady who's hurting, who've had some some very difficult things happen to her in her past. it reminds me of another lady in the Bible named Rahab. Rahab was known as a harlot in the Old Testament. And yet God did an amazing work in her life. I'm telling you, as I read this story, and I read all these stories in the Bible, the Bible tells me that God does not hate us, God is not against us, but just the antithesis, God loves us very much. He wants to be in relationship with us. He wants to take those dark corners of our life, and he wants to shed light and love on those dark corners so that we are reconciled to him, so that we are walking in joy and walking in peace. So today, what I'm gonna do with you is I'm gonna walk you through verses 16 through 26. And, and just stay with me. If this is your first time at Great Hills, I am, I am a discipleship uh, Baptist preacher, meaning I love to teach the Bible. And so we're gonna walk through the scriptures. We're gonna study the word of God together. And then toward the end of the sermon, we're going to look at four very practical truths, just very salient features from the text that we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts so that what we read in history and antiquity, so what has that got to do with me today? What's well, got a lot to do with us? And so I want to try to make application by the power of God's Spirit today. And I'm excited for what he's going to reveal to you. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go... Call your husband and come here. And she said, well, um, um, well, um, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, that's right. You have well said, I have no husband. For you've actually had five husbands. And the one that you now have, he's really not your husband. And that you have spoken truly. And if you could just look for a moment, use your imagination, <laughs> at the look on this woman's face. Can you imagine talking to somebody and you just met them and you're having a dialogue with them and they say something that is absolutely true about your past, about the skeletons in your past, the things that you don't want really anybody to know about and this stranger says, oh, here, let me just reveal this to you and let you know that I know about this. And the woman said, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. He must be from God because who, who would know that unless he had this supernatural knowledge? Well, our fathers worshiped on this mountain. Now, this is the lady talking. She is changing the subject, okay? She don't want to talk about these skeletons and the sin. She wants to talk about a religious debate. Maybe she can draw Jesus into a debate which will take his mind and his attention off of her sin, okay? Very creative Very insightful. Oh, by the way, sir, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews, and you got to listen to the sarcasm in there a little bit, all right? She could have said, well, the Jewish people. uh, But she didn't say, you guys. You know, hurt people hurt people, man. Just get this attention off of me and let's just, let's blame you. You're a Jew. And so you Jews, you say, sarcasm drips off of her words here. That in Jerusalem is the place one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you don't know, Jesus told her. But we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and actually now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And while Jesus is talking about theology and he's going to wrap this section up, he says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, wow, as he's speaking, he reminds me of something in the Torah. In the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Old Testament, he's speaking to me. He sounds like the prophet that Moses talked about that one day would come and reveal all things to us. I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus spoke to her and she said, I am. In the Greek, it's ergo I me. He just literally says, ma'am, I am the very person that you're longing for. So today, what I want to do is I want to walk through this text with you, and you may just want to jot down some, some notes and some uh, theological interpretations, and who knows, one day you may get to preach the sermon, or you may get to lead a Bible study, maybe even a home Bible study, because people are really fascinated, and they're interested in what the Bible says, especially what the Bible has to say about Jesus. So we'll just kind of walk back through the text, and at the end, we'll look at some things that I hope from my heart to your heart will encourage you that it will move not only from your mind, but it will also uh, transcend even to your heart because that's precisely what Jesus desires. In verse 24, he gives this great lesson on worship where he says, The Father, he wants us to worship him in truth and orthodoxy and doctrine and dogma and theology and metaphysics and philosophy and all those things are really very important. And there's a place for that. However, he also desires for us to worship him in spirit, which I call that the effective domain, that which deals with the emotions, that which deals with the hurt, with the feelings, with the heart. And Jesus says, ma'am, God desires for us to worship him with all of our minds, with all of our heart, our soul, our very being." So verse 16, we go back to that text. Jesus says, ma'am, why don't you call your husband? You say, why did he do that? He does that because it's really not socially proper for a man and a woman to be having conversation, especially publicly, without the woman's husband or without the man's wife present in the company, all right? So Jesus, he's had this conversation with her, and he says, ma'am, why don't you go ahead and call your husband and bring him, and and we can all talk together, and she says, well, I, I, I really don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus uses this moment as a very teachable moment. He, he knows, he understands what is going on in this woman's life. And he says to her, ma'am, uh, you, you have spoken the truth because you really, the guy you're living with, he's not your husband. And you know what? You've actually had five husbands. Now think about that for a moment. This woman had been married and divorced five times. And then she's most likely she's living with a guy who is not her husband. So you've got adultery, you've got fornication, you've got promiscuity, you've got all these sexual sins going on. And Jesus goes there and he puts his finger on the very issues that is separating her from almighty God. And Jesus came so that he might bridge that great chasm that he may take people where they are in their sin and that he may lift them up and forgive them and reunite them to the God who created them. But in order for Jesus to do that, he first has to go there, and he does. He is confrontational, but he is very kind. And she is incredibly smart. She is very creative because she wants to engage Jesus in a theological debate. As long as we're debating theology and doctrine and dogma and philosophy, as long as we can get wrapped around that axle, then maybe we'll never come back to the real issue that I need to deal with, and that is my sin. So let's talk about the debate. By the way, there's always debate. (laughs) We can always debate ad nauseum infinitum. We can debate and argue and fuss. I got drawn into this years ago. The, The minister of education for the country of Chad, Africa, Somehow somebody thought I ought to debate this guy and, and, and convince him and convert him to Christianity. And I'm, I'm there in the country and I meet the minister of education. Well, this guy is determined to convert me from Christianity to Islam and I'm determined to convert him from Islam to Christianity. And for an hour, I mean, there were explosions. You know, there were, I mean, there were just all kinds of theological, I mean, and I look back on that, I said, I wish I had to do that over again. I would have done what Jesus did. Theology is important and I would have addressed some basic tenets of Christology, but more than that, I would have just loved the individual and shared. well, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you and how can the gospel, grace gospel of Jesus Christ enter into your life? Well, here's the argument. The Samaritans had a polytheistic aspect to their religion, meaning, It wasn't monotheism where you worship mono, one God. It was poly, which is meaning they had multiple syncretistic, kind of an amalgamation of different deities and gods, and they just kind of wrap them all up into this Samaritan religion. Now, the Jews are not like that, right? There's one God, and you shall worship the Lord your God and him only should you serve. Well, it gets a little deeper than that. The Samaritans believed in only the Torah, They only believed in the Pentateuch. Anything after Deuteronomy, they didn't accept it. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that's cool. And in those five books, it talks about some very places where they live. Shechem and Gerizim. And some of those places, she's like, this is where you're supposed to worship. It's almost like, Jesus, do you know your Bible? Don't you know what Moses did on Mount Ebal and Mount uh, Gerizim? And don't you know that Abram, Father Abraham, I mean, right here in this very place in Samaria, he built altars, so we're to worship God right here. But the Jews, they believed it all. They believed not only the, the five books, first five books, but they also believed in the writings and in the prophets, they believed in all the 39 books of canonical scripture in the Old Testament, whereas she just believed in five. Are you with me? They disagreed with about everything. <laughs> and she's very wise, and so she dips back into that bag of tricks and that theology, and she tries to bring Jesus into this debate. Well, Second Chronicles 6, 6, remember, Jews would believe this. Samaritans would not. It says, you have chosen Jerusalem that my name may be there now this is God and I have chosen David to be over my people Israel that's why when Jesus says in a moment ma'am salvation is of the Jews it's because of verses like this God chose Jerusalem and God chose David to be in the lineage of that that of the lineage the posterity that will come from David will be the Messiah and by the way there he is he is that Messiah and, and, and then the lady's like, no, 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 it's not through David. It's not in Jerusalem, but it's through Moses. And, and God's got a prophet, man. God's got somebody. And it's totally disassociated from you Jewish people. And Jesus says, ma'am, I'm sorry, but you're mistaken, okay? So he's with him, with her. He's debating with her. But Jesus says in verse 21, he says, ma'am, there's coming a time. It's not on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. It's not in Jerusalem. It's not that at all. One writer puts it this way, more significantly, Jesus is saying the new covenant will render all external ceremonies and rituals, whether Jewish or Samaritan, he will render them all obsolete. In verse 22, he further instructs her by telling her that she worships what she does not know. Now that's pretty confrontational, right? I mean, Jesus is saying, ma'am, I need to be the one to tell you that you're, you're, you're you're really confused. In, in what you're worshiping, really what you what you don't know. You only have part of the truth, but I'm trying to tell you the rest of the story. And and the way I see Jesus doing this, I just see him being very kind, very winsome. I don't see him doing this. What is your problem, ma'am? Come listen to me. Red in the face. It, 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 crazy woman, what is your problem? You ought to quit sleeping around so much. You ought to study the whole Bible. You know what it means. He didn't do that. That's what we do, right? That's the kind of, that's our kind of evangelistic tactic, you know, which hit low, baby, give it to them, suck them good. And, and Jesus, you no, know, he's just having a very kind and cordial. He knows his stuff. He knows everything. But he's saying, no, ma'am, the hour has come. And by the way, there's a reference there to him coming. My, the hour is now, I'm here, and I'm going to die on the cross. I'm going to rise from the dead, and there are going to be people worshiping me from all over the planet. It's really insignificant. Jerusalem, Gerizim, uh, it doesn't matter. The thing is, and by the way, while we're talking about this, you, you're, you're so focused on a place, and I want to focus you more on the person of who God is. You're wrapped around this axle of Samaria and Gerizim and Mount Ebal and, and Abraham and Moses. And I just want you to know that God, God is much bigger than this. God is spirit. Yeah, not, he's not corporeal in some temple, you know, and just confined in this temple. No, no God is spirit. In fact, God is awesome. He is omni present. Maybe he started talking to her about the omniscience of God and the omnipotence of God. I don't know what all they talked about, but I know it was rich and dynamic. And and Jesus is helping her and he's explaining to her the deeper matters of of theology. And by the way, when Jesus says, ma'am, you know, God, he wants us to worship him, not just with our minds, because right now it's very technical. It's very theological. It's not it hasn't left the realm of the orthodoxy into the orthopraxy. She is wrapped around the orthodoxy. And she's wrapped around you being right. And she wants to bring this stranger, you Jewish people, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, buddy. It's about Abraham and Gerizim and Moses and Ebal. That's where it's all at. And Jesus is like, ma'am, you, you, need, to, you need to chill out. You need to open up the vista, the horizon of who really God is. Because there's coming a time, and by the way, the time came. In AD 70, on Mount Gerizim, thousands of Samaritans were slain by the Roman general Titus. In Jerusalem, that same general, he went in and just decimated Jerusalem. And Jesus knows this day is coming in a, in a few decades it's not really gonna matter whether you're in Jerusalem or whether you're in Samaria, wherever you are, because what really matters is God and us knowing him and having a relationship with him and worshiping him in spirit. So you're you're so concerned about the mind, I want to open up to you the spirit, the heart, the feelings, the things you don't wanna talk about. You don't wanna talk about personal things. You don't want to talk about your sin. You don't want to talk about your multiple husbands. You don't want to talk about that. But we really need to talk about that. And then she finally says, well, whatever. When, when the real deal comes, he'll help us with all of that. And Jesus, he said, I'm the deal. <laughs> I'm, I'm the real deal. And she takes off. Bam. She runs back to the village. And come next week on Mother's Day, we're going to talk about it. And I want to give a little plug for Mother's Day. Mother's Day next week at Great Hills is going to be a little different. Because I know some of you ladies, you've told me, and as the one Sunday, you are not going to darken the door of a church, right? Because it reminds you of a past hurt. It reminds you that you cannot have children. It reminds you of a mother that you really do not like. It reminds you of a grandmother who abused you. It reminds you of something hard, and you do not want to come to church. Can I just put this out for you today? That next week, you're going to see the grace of God in a magnificent way in this lady. And we're going to do something a little bit different next week at Great Hills. We're going to pronounce a blessing over the women in this church. And I don't want you to miss it because I'm going to have all of you stand. If you're 18 years of age or older, I want to have you to stand. And we're just going to put the blessing of God on your life. All right. And you say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not married. That's OK. Well, I, I, I don't have children. That's OK. Are you a woman? You say, I'm a woman. I'm a woman. All right, so that you, you're, you need to come, all right? You come, and the men, we're just going to be sitting down. you all going to be sitting down, and we're just going to say blessings upon blessings on your life. So why don't you come next week? And if you know somebody struggling, okay, bring, bring her with you. Okay, so here's, let's wrap it up and look at the, the, the points, the, the salient features of the text that, that I wanted to share with you. Number one is this. Tell the good news and tell the bad news. When you're talking with people, share good news and share bad news. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Danny. I, I like telling the good news. But you know what, guys? We, we really, there, there really is no good news unless you're confronted with the bad news. The bad news is, ma'am, I, I, I need to tell you, <laughs> you, you've, you, you've been married, you know, like five times and divorced. And how's that going for you? That's not working, is it? And now you got, you got hope. Well, maybe he's the one. You know, Liz Taylor, like seven. Maybe, maybe he's the one. You know, maybe this is the guy. And, and Jesus is like, no, you know, it's, it's, it's not that at all. I mean, you, you need more than that. You need a savior. You need someone who will love you and redeem you. And so when you share good news with people, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's good news. What's the bad news for all who have sinned, right? And that is our need. And then we share with them God's provision. And then we share with them their response. So when we're talking to our one, I was talking to a guy yesterday out on the, bam, the driving range. So cool. He just began to uh, talk to me about, how do you you slice that bar? How are you fading? How How do you draw the ball like that? I'm like, dude, why are you asking me? I'm terrible. No, I was just thinking, well, it has to do with the grip. And then he hadn't been playing but for a year. And so we were talking and I was helping him with golf. And he would ask me some more questions and I would hit some more balls, some straight, some wayward. And then the Holy Spirit was like, hello. He's talking to you. You need to talk to him. And don't talk all just about golf. Talk about me. And so by the time we were finished, I was able to share the gospel with him, talk about our church, and I think he's coming next week. He told me he was in Houston. He will be in Houston today. Share good news, but also have to share the tough news. The second point I want to share with you. Be winsome and be kind as you talk to other people about Christ, okay? Did you notice how Jesus compliments her? He told her a couple times, he said, man, that's right. Or yes, you you spoke the truth about that. I like to tell people, we get a lot more down the road with people with, with sugar than we do vinegar, right? Or with salt, sodium. I mean, we, we sprinkle in some, some love and, and some sugar and some grace in there as we talk to people. And, and again, Jesus, as he's interacting with people, he's not red in the face. He's, the only time Jesus really gets red in the face with people is religious people. Now, he lets them have it. I mean, he's turning over tables, and he's, he's telling me, you bunch of hypocrites, You're keeping people out of heaven. I mean, you're you're stiff-arming people like this Samaritan woman. Come on. And so when you see Jesus angry, he's usually angry with religious people. But with the sinner, he's very, very kind. He's confrontational to the point of telling them the truth, but he's also very winsome and dialogical and and, and rhetorical and, and just kind. And we can learn so much from him as we watch him. Next thing I want to share with you. Keep the conversation focused on the gospel and not on theological arguments. And some of you are going, oh, man, because I want to share everything I've learned in systematic theology, and I just want them to know, and and I just got to tell them. But guys, a lot of times, and I love systematic theology, and I, I sat next to a guy on the plane not long ago, and he's an atheist. He's over all of Microsoft in Eastern Europe. I'm like, dude, why are you sitting back here with me? Shouldn't he be up there in the first class? I don't know if he got bumped or whatever, but he's he's sitting next to me, and he goes, I don't believe in God at all. And so we began to dialogue and for an hour we talk I don't know how long it was, but we talk and we dialogue and we share with him. And and we were way into doctrine. We're way into theology, way into macro evolution and natural selection and mass mutation. And we were all into that stuff and, and just rolling the dice. And if you roll it enough times, then shazam, you know, you'll you'll have a cell. And once you have a cell, then it all just evolves to everything we have. And I said, Man, I gotta tell you something, that takes a whole lot more faith to believe that than what I believe. And he looked at me like, say, what? I have faith? I said, yeah, you got a lot of faith. But then the Lord was like, you can talk to him forever about this. Just talk about me. And so I just shifted the conversation. I just told him what I call is the divine romance. I said, the romance is that we're sinners separated from God and Jesus has come to forgive us of our sins. And he looked at me, church, I want to tell you the truth. He looked at me I don't know if he had ever heard the gospel. I don't know that he had ever had anybody tell him that God loved him, the God that you don't believe in. And it's interesting. I want to tell atheists, man, you sure are spending a lot of time on proving something (laughs) that you say doesn't exist. You're spending so much time wrapped around trying to disprove something that you probably in your heart really do believe. Being kind, being confrontational, being winsome, focused on the gospel the last thing I want to share with you and we're going to wrap it up is this from this text I want you to learn to be bold to be bold to go out and to speak truth I was reading uh, an email this week from one of our church members I'm not going to mention her name I talked to her about it this morning but I'm not I didn't ask for permission so I'm just going to share it and not mention her name I hope I don't mention her name. If I mention her name, she'll have to forgive me. But anyhow, here's her story. She's taking on a new job. She's traveling a lot. She said, Pastor, I think I'm the only believer in my whole workplace. Anybody relate to that? Anybody here today would say, I, there, there may be one or two others, but I'm, I'm just like, I feel alone. Others of you are like, no, man, that's not my deal. We got Christians everywhere. And I'm like, hey, that's cool. But she doesn't have that. And she's doing her job, she's doing the best that she can, and her job's taking on a different nature than what they assigned to her, and she's, she's a little hurt by that, upset by that, and no, next thing you know is the CEO calls her in, says, I need to talk to you, and she's like, oh boy, here we go, what have I done wrong? And, and he brings her in, he says, oh no, you did not done anything wrong, I just want to tell you, thank you for all the good things you're doing in our company. People are talking about you, you're doing a great job, and so thank you, and somehow the conversation turned toward prayer. And she goes, well, I just believe in in prayer. And he goes, I don't. (laughs) He said, I'm an agnostic. You know the difference between an agnostic and an atheist, right? An atheist doesn't believe in God at all. An agnostic says there may be a God, but there ain't no way he listens to us. There's no way we could actually know him. And so A, the alpha privative, which negates everything, A, and then theism, which is God, A, no God. Or agnostic gnosis is knowledge, no knowledge. You can't know him. And she goes, and then he said, well, do you pray? And she goes, yes, I, I pray. He goes, what do you pray about? <laughs> she said, I pray about everything. She says, my husband and I, we pray all the time. He goes, tell me more about that. And he, she goes, oh yeah. She goes, in fact, you know, Sarah over here, you know, Joe over here, all these, these events in their life, I spend time with God and I pray over them. He goes, that's really interesting. Fast forward a few days later, he sees her again, talks to her, and he says, he talks to her and he goes, oh, by the way, he said, would you pray for me? Would you, you pray for me, I don't, I don't believe in all that, but would, would, you, would you pray for me? And she says, yeah, I'd be glad to. One more bold story and then, then we'll wrap it up. Penn Jillette is an atheist. He is large and in charge in Vegas, gives his shows, and he's very good at what he does. He's a magician. He's very smart, very gifted man. He, a few years ago, he did a YouTube story on this true story, and I've shared this here at Great Hills before, but I want to share it again. There's a piece of paper here. I've been looking at it for 30 minutes. Yes, I got it. Squirrel, you know, that's me. That's, that, is, that is me. I get really, yeah. So... He, 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 I read just the story again this week, and it reminded me of kindness and boldness. After one of his shows, which I'm sure it's not G-rated, right? Hey, congratulations to y'all getting married. God bless y'all. That's so cool. I saw pictures yesterday. Good job. Good job. Woo-hoo. And he goes, there's this guy comes up to me after my show, And he gives me a Bible. And he goes, and Penn like, what? And the guy says, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. And uh, he shared Jesus with him and gave him a Bible. And guess how he took that? This is what he said. It's it's a lot more powerful if I just read it, because I I really need to read every word, what Penn said about this encounter with this Christian. He said, quote, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them because it may make it socially awkward, I don't respect that. This is an atheist talking. He goes, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and you don't tell them? That's from Penn Gillette. He said, let me tell you something else about this guy. He wasn't weird. He wasn't freaky. He wasn't shaking his fist at me. He gave me a Bible. He told me what he believed, and I just think that's really cool. And he says, and while I'm at it, you Christians out there, if y'all don't do what that guy does, I have no respect for you whatsoever. (laughs) I'm getting convicted by an atheist. Amen. I'm reading it going, wow. Bold, kind. Who's your one? Who's your one this week? Who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to invest in? I'm excited. I don't don't know who he is. I don't know who she is, but somebody this week, the Holy Spirit's so good about this. He will lead me to somebody who will need encouragement, who will need prayer, who will need Jesus. And I want to be the one to share with him. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You've you've been so great today. Thank you for listening with such uh, attention. And some of you are taking notes and you're, you're, You're jotting down the history of the Samaritan Jewish theological debate. Who knows? You may need that someday. You may need to teach this lesson one day. But more than theology and doctrine, I I want you to get the real gist of what Jesus is doing here. He is sharing truth and love, okay? Some of you here today, it's not an accident. You needed to be here to hear this message about Jesus Christ and how he loves sinners. He loves the Hagar's, he loves the Rahab's, he loves the Samaritan ladies, he loves loves sinners. No, he doesn't love sin, he died for that, right? He died for that because that is what separates us from the Father and so he he wants to improve the situation. He wants to take care of that sin and the way he does it is, you come, you trust, you believe in him, turn from the sin and invite Jesus into your life. That's how it goes he's beautiful, he's winsome, he's kind. And if more of us, church, if more of us were like him, we'd have a whole lot more people interested in us. So I want to invite you today, if you don't know the Lord, or maybe you're that person that's kind of walking at a guilty distance and and God is drawing you into himself, would you take that step toward him? Today, your, your first step may be, to say, yes, there is a God, and kind of step out of your atheism. You may step out of atheism into agnosticism and say, well, at least I believe there is a God now. Well, you're on your way, but don't stop there. Open up your heart. Quit debating and rationalizing and arguing. Just say, God, reveal yourself to me in my heart if you're here today and you've never received him I invite you to do that even this very moment you don't have to wait hey I just gotta tell you guys and gals this lady she believed and it changed her life you'll see next week I mean it radically changed her life if you're here today and you would say well I've taken that step I need to take the next step of of being serious in my faith I, I need to share my faith I need to get involved in a small group or I need to get involved in a church that will help me grow in my relationship with God Well, hey and we welcome you. We're thrilled, thrilled that you're here. Let us talk to you more about that and encourage you. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to share with you what, what we do at Great Hills. If you're a guest, a first-time guest, if you're watching us online, what we're about to do next is we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And then we have what we call an altar call where the altar is open and people can come freely. They can pray. They can cast their cares upon the Lord, knowing that the Lord cares for them. They can pray with a, a, a biblical counselor. They can pray with a pastor because this is a place of grace. In fact, it's a table of grace. And we invite everybody to come and partake and eat because God is just that amazing. God, thank you for being the God that you are. And Lord, we trust you. We love you. We believe in you. Help us to be more like you, winsome, and kind, speaking truth in love. Lord, thank you that we are here today at Great Hills Baptist Church. And God, you are moving and you are speaking and you're drawing people to yourself. And we're so delighted we get to share in that. We get to have a part in that. Woo-hoo, thank you. Thank you, Lord. So now, Lord, as we just kind of wrap up, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just permeate this place and you would draw many, many people to yourself. And there would be life instead of death. There would be forgiveness instead of shame. And there would be love instead of hatred. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's sing to the Lord. The altar is open, I promise you. You can come, you can pray. You can have somebody pray with you or not. It's totally up to you. But we invite you to come. We make ourselves available to you. God bless you. so, so glad that you're here. God bless you as you come.